<laughs> I don't have an indoor shop, so I'm just working outside. Wow. By a bonfire, you know, keeping warm with whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes. <laughs> whiskey and power tools, a great yeah. combination. <laughs> the Dick Dietrichson story. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 141 with Derek D. Diedrichson. After kindly agreeing to be a guest on the second ever episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, Deke is back. Derek Deke Diedrichson is here to talk DIY treehouse building. We're not talking about $50,000 tiny homes in the trees. No, we're talking about DIY, backyard treehouse building, anyone with some tools, some trees, and a dream can embark on. Deke has built many, many treehouses, and he's got tips, tricks, and hacks to share to make the process quicker and cheaper. Deke always has a lot of interesting projects going on, so he'll fill us in on what's happening in the world of Relax Shacks. I hope you stick around. But before we get started, do you have questions that you'd like me to answer live on the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast? Well, I've opened a new way for you to submit them. You can now record a question to be answered on the show. To submit your question, head over to thetinyhouse.net slash ask and hit the appropriate button. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash ask, where you can record a question for me to answer on the show. I love hearing from listeners, and I can't wait to answer your tiny house questions. Whether it's building, living, or anything related to the tiny house lifestyle, everything is fair game. Head over to thetinyhouse.net slash ask and hit record to submit your question today. Right, I'm here with Derek Deke Diedrichson. Deke is a self-proclaimed lover of all things tiny home. The Massachusetts-based builder is the author of numerous tiny home books, organizer of tiny home building and design workshops around the country, and has been featured on more than one HGTV series and the DIY network. His latest book, Micro Shelters, features 59 of the country's most creative small structures, cabins, tree houses, stilted shelters, backyard huts, and tiny homes on wheels. Deke, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Great to see you, man. Or great to hear you slash see you. Yeah, yeah. We get to see each other. Nobody else does. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Was that bio correct? Is, is Micro Shelters your latest book? No, I got a newer one, actually. Micro Living is even newer. Right. Than that, which, which is kind of a sequel to Micro Shelters. It did so well. They wanted another, another book from me. And I honestly think Micro Living, the new one, is like way better than the first one. Nice. And it's I, also I, been doing well. I think I, I'm looking at my bookshelf. I have micro living on the shelf. I think I'm, I'm oh. I have a blurb in that one, I think. I think you do, actually. Yeah. I was going to say, if you don't have it, I'll mail you one right away because it'd be criminal for you not to have one because, you know, oh, no. considering our, our history yeah, no. and workshops and all that. It's next to my, my Lloyd Kahn collection. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Love that yeah. guy. I just had him back on to talk about the, the homesteading book, which is just awesome. Oh, yeah. You should have it on, him on like 10 times. I know. He's so impressive. Just that guy's done it all. He doesn't like the tiny house movement, though. He's like the do it yourself movement. Yeah. Well, no, he just like he doesn't think that like a tiny home is practical for people to live in. So he's like kind of like 
It de- it depends on the setting and the argument. I mean, that is a valid argument in some cases. But totally. He's all, I've been to his house a couple of times and gone out for dinner with him and stuff. And he's just a fascinating guy. His house is just beautiful because everything's indicative of like his style and tastes, the yeah. way it's built. It's all yeah. salvaged. It's just so cool. It's like a giant like compound of cool forts. Yeah. Well, there's there's a page in the in the homestead book that's just a picture of all the pelts of like roadkill that he's harvested. That's my favorite oh, page in the whole he's book. He's got this like shed of like skulls he collects and yeah, yeah. things like that. He gave me a cool abalone shell when I visited too that I made into a wall sconce for candles. And it, it, the reflective properties of it are pretty cool. And, and it's a nice story behind it too. Nice. Well, um, you are kind of, you're many things, kind of the, the known as the DIY kind of salvage master um, author, artist, musician, kind of a Renaissance man. but I want to talk specifically or start with um, tree houses. Sure. Mainly because they fascinate me. And this is my show. So I get to just bring people yeah. on and talk yeah. about them. But, I'm the boss, damn it. <laughs> yeah. But you really have kind of made a niche for yourself building tree houses. And you kind of, I don't want to say you do it on the cheap, like they're not structurally unsound, but you definitely seem to have kind of your own techniques. Yeah. I mean, it's, they're definitely budget minded because I'm, I'm so immersed in the world of like reuse salvage repurposing all that because it adds a lot of character and kind of saves budget wise for myself and the client i'm very much so rooted in the world of tree houses but being someone who's so busy with so many things in my add and i just drink too much coffee and work on whatever i am not so organized in my approach so it's really word of mouth and I almost, I feel I like undercharge for tree houses. I'm kind of cool with it in some respects, but I found uh, some people were asking for a tree house in Massachusetts recently and, and they were kind of balking over the, the price I was giving them, which I felt was almost selling myself short to start with. And I said, here's a link for the other guy that works in this state and his cheapest tree house, which doesn't have walls and is a kit gazebo that goes in a tree is 25 grand. I said, like, like that's crazy. I said, I'll make you something that's one of a kind, inventive, cool, that will, you know, hopefully blow your socks off for a fraction of that and, uh, and style it too. In a lot of cases, you know, paint it, style it for people. My daughter actually, who's 11 is so good at decor. We did a treehouse recently. She styled the whole thing. The woman loved it so much. She bought all the decor office and let uh, decor office and left it as it was. That's so cool. She's like, oh my God, this is amazing. Can I pay you for all this stuff? Sure. That's amazing. So I'm building my team, Ethan, building my team slowly. Yeah, I know. You got the whole family. Yeah. Well, you got Dustin on the on the build team. You got your kids yeah. getting in on it. Yeah, they're, they're pretty handy. I mean, my, my son has built alongside us at some workshops, and he's often instructing 40, 50-year-old people how to swing a hammer. He's pretty good at it. Nice. But right right now, he's he's more interested in video games currently than building, unfortunately. But hopefully that phase will pass. Yeah. Well, nobody wants to build outside in November in Massachusetts. Uh, still doing it. Yeah, I'm... it kind of it sucks. <laughs> I don't have an indoor shop, shop, so I'm just working outside. Wow. By a bonfire, you know, keeping warm with whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> so, sometimes. <laughs> whiskey and power tools, a great yeah. combination. <laughs> the Dick Dietrichson story. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when it comes to building a treehouse, like, can you, take, can you take us through kind of your process? Of like, okay, so like this person called you up and was like, we want a tree house. Like, so what did, you know, what's next? Yeah, the initial questions usually are, can I have some, if they're far away, because we travel to do them. We did a couple in Seattle recently. Uh, we have one on the plate. 
in Beverly Hills proper, we might be doing soon. And that's a story maybe I'll tell you later with some high build people that it could be pretty huge. But I mean, basically you find out, A, what trees do you have? Show me a picture. What species, what size, what's the diameter? I try not to attach to anything, depending on the kind that's under 10 inches, you know, 12 inches if possible in diameter. Um, you know, what's the locale, the sighting, uh, what's nearby that might be a risk, you know, other widow makers, things that might fall on the tree, hurt somebody. What are the neighbors like? Are they within visible distance? You know, are they cool? What's the permitting process, if even needed for a build like that? It's usually a gray area. And those are the primary things that I ask them. And, and what do you want stylistically? Because I'm a one-man crew. Some of these tree houses, like the Pete Nelson ones, uh, you know, that's a whole different ballgame. They're, they're beautiful, but they're basically, some of them, Nantucket-style houses built in trees. In a tree. Yeah. So I, I've always been a fan of the, I don't want to call it keeping it real, because I'm not slighting him in any way, because he's a master at what he does. Hence, hence the show name. But uh, I'm more into the whimsical, approachable, affordable, funky stuff. You know, I'll build someone a tree house for, in some cases, you know, four or $5,000, like a high end one or, or a 10 grand or 12. I've done some for far less than that, too. It all depends. I've even done someone barter because I'm kind of a softy when it comes to pricing. One woman couldn't meet me at a price point, but she had a farm. I said, I tell you what. Your, the price, what you can afford is good if I can pick unlimited apples from those trees and get eggs from your chickens during the build. And we struck a deal on that. That's and my awesome. Kids, my kids were happy because they were just like playing with the chickens the whole time I was building, pick, you know, harvesting eggs. So I'm pretty easy to work with, I like to think. So are these tree houses, um, are they usually intended as like kind of forts and, and just like something cool or like people thinking like, hey, I'm going to put this on hip camp and Airbnb it, like, what are they building them for? Yeah, you're seeing both. I'll find that a lot of, well, it's a little bit different now because tree houses, because the TV shows and all that are a little more widely acceptable. And there's all Facebook groups is, you know, something that's, uh, that adults can begin to, uh, a lot of books on them as well. But I find that it, it's, it's mixed. You'll find there's some adults who are kind of giving you the wish list for the tree house and you, and you realize quickly into it that the treehouse really is for them, but they're trying to pawn it off and it's for their kids on their kids. When it's for the kids, I try to recommend to people like, listen, make it versatile so that when the kids get older, they can use it as a study spot, like build a desk into it, or it's a guest house when people come over to visit things like that. You know, maybe they can use it down the road for storage or for an office themselves, themselves as adults. I got a treehouse in my front yard. In fact, that has heat and power and all that. And I've had, oh, wow. Well, quite actually, two weeks ago, we were wrapping up some filming on, on the Box Truck Film, which I got to plug at boxtruckfilm.com. I'm a backer. Guy, I'm a backer. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I know. You're awesome. We love you. But there's, uh, there's a guy, uh, Jason Kimball, who's been doing the filming, and he had to come in to film some of the wrap-up stuff with myself and Alex Eves from Stay Vocal. And uh, instead of like staying in a hotel and spending all this money. He just stayed in the treehouse. We gave him power and all that. You know, nice. you know, Marty Skrilunas, the architect from Connecticut. Oh, yeah. He stayed, he stayed in the treehouse. I get a lot of friends who catch wind that I have a treehouse, which is free versus a $150 hotel room. And while it's not luxurious, you know, they'll stay there. So, uh, yeah, I take the treehouse anytime. Yeah. And it's, an, it's a unique experience. You know, actually, truth be told, my own treehouse in my yard, I haven't spent the night in yet. I'll have to fix that soon. All right. All right. Do it before it's too cold. Yeah. No, we got heat in there, though. 
Nice. So it's just like you ran an extension cord up there and you have like a radiator. Yeah, for that one, an external grade extension cord. It's not like I didn't bury anything because, you know, again, gray areas. This treehouse is not hidden, though. If you, it's at an intersection and it's 20 feet from the road and at night on a timer, it lights up. So there's no missing it. <laughs> and the front's clear. So it's like this giant glowing Rubik's cube. I'm not trying to hide it. And it's been there for five years now. I've had no problems. Marty really put on a show for the passersby. Yeah, pass. yeah. <laughs> Tassels, pole dancing. <laughs> Let's not go there. Yeah, yeah. So do you know, do you know if anyone is living full time in a treehouse that you've built? Ones I've built, not that I'm aware of. We, Dustin and I, I designed a bunch of treehouses of myself. Uh, he and myself, myself and him, probably both are incorrect. Uh, out in Seattle, near Seattle, we built two different times for Airbnb rentals. So they're being slept in constantly. And they have like kitchenette amenities and, you know, places where you could dine and sit, eat in a sleep loft and all that. But they're not lived in full time by the same people over and over. There's people doing that here and there. But it, you don't find that as much for some reason. Um as you do with tiny houses, right? Three houses aren't as widely acceptable for that, maybe, or the the appeal isn't there, or there's too many factors. I can see there's some like practicalities with yeah. that. You know, if you don't like climbing a loft, a ladder to your loft, try climbing a ladder to to your try house. Climbing a ladder just to get into your house, right? Because when you start getting really high with some of them, it gets a little bit perilous, not only to yeah. build them but to get up to them, right? And if you're in the winter, climbing these icy steps to bring in that new sofa you just bought that might not even fit through the door. There's a lot of problems and, and challenges like that. Right, right. So, so anyhow, um, tangents are, I love the tangents. Like, we're, let's keep doing it. But now I'm going to, we're bringing us back. So you talk to the people. Yeah. They've told you, like, the types of trees and, and the spacing in their yard. Um, then do you, do you tend to kind of sketch something out? Are you like a design build or are you more of a build design? I'm easy to work with, but a pain in the ass and that there's a lot of trios gigs that come my way that I just politely and they won't know deny like, oh, I'm too busy because it's not something I'm interested in. Yeah. So, for instance, I had someone in New Hampshire recently. They had a lot of money they're going to throw at, but I wanted stuff that was kind of not only unrealistic, but this tree house that was basically I'm not a fan of the platform with railings and open air kind of, again, gazebo style tree houses. They just don't interest me. They're not. You know, I like things to almost be shelter as art, funky and cool. Right. And I just wasn't interested. And it would have taken so much time that I knew that my interest, my attention span would have waned before I finished. So I'm a little bit picky with what jobs I do take. And most people, I think, who contact me, it's usually through my relaxx.com YouTube channel, shameless plug. Uh, I think they know what they're getting into before they call me. So a lot of them will say, listen, here's the size I want it. I know your style. Give me a couple sketches. I'm kind of leaving it up to you. I trust you. So those are the dream gigs for me and most of the ones I do. And it's a lot of word of mouth. I just did a tree house in the town next to me because another woman, a couple towns over, was friends with so-and-so on Facebook, saw a picture of a tree house I did for them, and it just snowballs. And this, this year has been good to me, even though it's been weird with COVID and everything shut down. And the beauty of that is I can build tree houses without anyone getting near me and bothering me. Right. I do them solo. So solo. it's like, there's no risk of me like going in and out of someone's house or finding lumber has been the challenge though, with the price gouging. Really? Yeah. I mean, not gouging, but because of, you know, supply and demand during all this lumber in some parts of the country has gone up as much as 200% in price around us. It's been 50 to 70% more expensive 
So a two by four near us, when I did this recent gig, it was like sticker shock was $6.20 for one two by four from Home Depot. Oh my gosh. Pressure treated wood, which I need for the base in a lot of cases, you couldn't find it at all. And I was telling the woman I was building for, I said, listen, here's photos I took to show you. I'm not just making this up. I'm, I was driving to multiple box stores to find the pressure treated lumber I needed because it was selling out so fast because everyone was at home working on decks and all that. <laughs> yeah. So, deck building season. I'm, another tangent there for you. No, Ethan, no, it's what, great. What do you do now? What do you do? <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you do? So you, um, you know, I, I've actually, I've had the Treehouse masters. I didn't have Pete on, but I had one of the guys from the crew on and we, you know, we talked about yeah. some of the stuff, but you know, they sell a line of like specialized stainless steel hardware for creating your your joists in the trees yeah, the, and i'm the garnier I'm, limbs yeah michael yeah. garnier yeah i'm guessing that that you do not use that hardware no i've used them before but because some people ask for them and they're great don't don't get me wrong they work great although i did stay at one tree house i won't name it one tree house b&b somewhere in the midwest that used them and put so much weight in them when I was filming and exploring the treehouse, you could see they were deflecting and bending. Ooh. And, and coincidentally, I'm trying not to name the location because the treehouse is beautiful. When I was leaving that area in the airport, Pete Nelson at the same time was out filming that treehouse and I ran into him at the airport bar. <laughs> like I, I'm not making this up. And I've talked to him many times before. My nice. first book has a quote from him and a review. So I was talking to him. And when I mentioned the treehouse, he pointed out the same thing. He's like, did you see the Garnier limbs under it? I said, oh, yeah. And they're just like bending because the treehouse was just so massively overbuilt. It was starting wow. to bend the supports. Damn. Anyway, those are great. But some of the treehouses I do when they start coming in at 150 bucks to 200 bucks a pop, which was the price they used to charge for them, it starts getting cost prohibitive. And I have to explain to the client, like, listen, just the hardware alone before you have your base might cost you a thousand bucks. If the whole budget of the treehouse is 5,000 bucks, that's a problem. So there's a couple other methods I use, like the old school methods. Myself and builders like David Styles, that's a guy you should have on. All right. David and, David and Jeannie Styles, they're awesome. And they've written like 20-something DIY books, treehouse books. But their methods like mine are the old school ones. You know, a lot of like cleats that hold up supports, slotted, uh, you know, slotted openings for the, these uh, lag screws that go into trees to allow for movement chained cradled methods there, there's a ton of ways you know many ways to skin a cat as they say what's your like go-to that you use most of the time it depends on the trees honestly okay. you know and, and a lot of them you start overbuilding there's the purist who will say it's not a tree house if there's a post touching the ground but if i'm going to build something for airbnb for my own sake these heavy big tree houses sometimes it's unavoidable and you'll see that with a lot of the pete nelson tree houses too because they're huge yeah the simple like I kind of, I, I usually will use one method, then have it backed up with a second method. I will build in and, and timber lock in a series of almost like cradling cleats, like a claw that holds a girder so it moves. And then additionally, lag screw through it, but with a slotted method so that uh, the pre-drilled hole, if you will, yep. is almost five times, as, you know, five, six times as long as the diameter of the screw. So when the trees move, it allows for that. That to shift. Yeah, that, almost like you're at sea. So you'll go in a lot of these tree houses, and it's kind of disorienting and weird when it's windy. You feel like you're floating in a boat, but the tree is the tree houses are just gliding in different directions. You're like it's like gimbled. You're like yeah, the tree is moving and you're staying that, that's still. That's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah, for all the like the film nerds out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All the YouTube nerds out there. That's great. Yeah, you're right. 
And other times if the tree is big enough and I'm detaching low down in it, I don't worry as much. Like if, if you have a tree that's four feet in diameter at the base, that's not going to move too much in the wind when you're only attaching to it six feet in the air. Uh -huh. In that case, I wouldn't worry. Like the one I did recently in Massachusetts, we attached, they only had one good tree nearby. So the rest was on posts, but the one good tree was enormous. So I attached maybe eight feet up and didn't really slot it as much as I normally would because that's not going anywhere. Got it. So you're basically relying on those cleats to hold most of the weight. The cleats are anchored into the tree and then the, yeah. the, the joist or the, the girder itself is kind of floating there, but still tacked into the tree. Yeah, it's almost a version of what they call a French cleat in building that you see in a lot of like clip-on tables, yep. but a bulked up version of it. And the backup is the lag screw, or in some cases, it would be maybe a post, or you can almost cradle chain things to another lag screw up above. So the treehouse almost hangs yep. in place. So if one of those fails, you're still held up by other things. Nice. So yeah, so at, at one of your, um, at one of your uh, tiny house summer camps, plug for that, um, I worked on a tree house that was a triangular shaped platform and it was like super funky, you know. And, oh, is that the one way back near the swamp that yep. Vera was working on too? Yep. Yeah, okay, yep. yeah. And so, you know, in that case, we were working with a triangular floor and I think we just, I'm trying to remember what we did for the floor in terms of the decking, but for these, you know, kind of client builds, are you putting down like joists and then a subfloor or are you just like flooring it? it no, it depends um, again, what they want and what the purpose of the treehouse is. In a lot of cases, I will put up a support system, then build a, build a separate floating base. That's all 60 non center, you know, built out of pressure treated wood. And sometimes the subflooring itself, if it's higher grade ply becomes the floor. Or in other cases, I'll put that down and put flooring on top of it. But usually lightweight, portable stuff like Pergo, the quick track laminate stuff, which is very durable and it looks nice and it goes in fast. It's cheap too. But usually it's kept pretty simple. I've done ones where the floors have been insulated and all that kind of stuff too. Wow. But it just depends on the budget. That one you're talking about though, it's funny you bring that up because I built another version of it recently and that thing was so simple and prefabricatable, if that's really a word, that some of those pieces for that one you were working on, I built in my backyard and we brought them up to Vermont to assemble them. I've gotten so many people interested when they've seen the few photos I've posted on the treehouse that I'm actually literally today working on plan sets for it Nice, because so many have asks. It actually has a rec rectilinear base, but the, uh, not triangular, but the, the sides of it were kind of like this weird trapezoid. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it almost looks like a, it's like an, a Tetris-like spaceship because one side was completely clear. And as simple as it is, I was just up in Vermont a couple of weeks ago. Every time I go into that thing, because it's painted almost bright orange inside, as simple and stupid and easy as that treehouse is, it is kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. It's just fun. And when it lights up at night, it looks awesome too. Yeah. So do you do treehouse workshops? Like, can people come and learn this? Or is it kind of like they have to come to Tiny House Summer Camp and maybe yeah. jump on a treehouse? I have, I have, I've mixed them into the tiny house summer camp ones because some of the framing techniques for a treehouse parallel that of tiny house building. And that's the idea. You know, I tell people you come to a two or three day tiny house workshop, you can't build an entire tiny house in two or three days. So we show you the steps or some of the skills. I've done treehouse only workshops, two of them in Seattle, did one in Vermont, um, a mini class at one point in Australia and a couple others. 
I plan on doing some again, because honestly, as of recent, my interest is not more than tiny houses and the tree houses, but I've been into tree houses longer than I've been into tiny houses. And they both go back to me being like eight years old. So one could say I built my first tree house, you know, a long time ago, you know, like 35 years ago. Yeah. So they've kept me busy and they're very accessible, you know, instead of like building a tiny house for 40 grand, I can build a tree house for somebody or for myself, a small lamping one for 500 bucks. Yeah. In some cases. So that's why I like them. Finish one onto the next job, onto the next job. I never get bored with it. Exactly. And, and, and they seem like all of your buildings really are functional pieces of art and they all have their own personality. Like I, yeah, I mean, I always, in a self-deprecating way, I always joke in interviews, it's functional art. We call it fart or it's shelter as art. We call it shart. But, you know, <laughs> I try not to take what I do too seriously. And some people try to break down my approach to things. I'm like, dude, it's just coffee, heavy metal, beer and having fun. You know, and I, I just incessantly sketch out ideas and here and there, I'll find one I really like and try it in the physical world. Right. And there's a lot of Im improv in it too. Yeah. And you seem like you also incorporate a lot of salvage and found objects in your builds and they can kind of take on, they almost become like a motif of that build or like a center point. Oh, hell yeah. That things, other themes kind of go around it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I teach people in any of the workshops. Don't be afraid to let the materials dictate the build. You know, if you have a pile of lumber that's all six feet long that you found somewhere for free, try to put it to use. Design around that. You know, you have a giant gothic window you found from a church they were tearing down. Make that the focal point, the center point of your build. Work backwards. Work around that. Incorporate that, you know, and let it kind of drive the direction of the build. Don't be afraid to do that. And yeah, salvage, man. There's some cool stuff that's not being replicated or made anymore. The price is right. You're adding that unique character. You're keeping things out of landfills, uh, out of landfills, out of the waste stream. Uh, you're, you're, you're beating the system. You're saving money and infusing awesome individuality and character into your build. So why not do it? Yeah, totally. And and like maybe what are some things that are are great to reuse in tree houses? Because I'm guessing like you probably aren't like finding salvage joists for the for the supports. Like it depends. Here's an easy one, I'll tell you, because I'm actually putting together this kind of video tutorial series slowly, and I film every time I'm actually working on something, because I'll be like in a different shirt every five seconds of the video, and I, I explain that and make fun of myself, where I'm just piecing together as I'm actually working on stuff, it's becoming this hour-long series. One neat tip, I think, and this is really simple 101, is IKEA pumps out beds and bunk beds that are nearly disposable, but have these wood slat bottoms that are connected by these fabric bands. And people like I go trash picking at least once a week, I'll find the bundle still wrapped up with its fabric band of all these beautiful pine pieces that are three, four feet long. I grab those every time you pull the staples out and you have this pile of wood that takes almost no time to salvage. You can use those for tabletops, for benches. My daughter and I built a series of benches that we were selling recently with them. The stuff's free. You get into the more complicated territory of trying to find plywood. It's a little bit tougher to do. But, you know, keep an open mind. I won't say anything can be re reused. But if, it, if you were to check out, which you're aware of it, but that the box truck film, box truck, that documentary film we're working on, which is a U-Haul truck, box truck, that's a tiny house that's made out of almost 90-something percent dumpster dive salvage material. Um, there's a lot of cool reuses in that. 
There's drawer poles that are or handles that are made out of Lincoln logs, skateboard trucks, drum set parts. There's just so many things you can do creatively with salvage to save money and to pump in some coolness, some cool juice, as I call it, into your build. The cool factor. Well, yeah, I'm I'm dying to see that that box truck film because I've seen the box truck, but I, I still want to see how the sausage was made. Yeah, how the sausage was made. We we did so so much of it so long ago. When I keep seeing the the cuts on it, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot when this that or the other thing happened. Or in the middle of the film, I got deathly ill at one point while hurting my back. I had pneumonia, the flu, um, strep throat, and an infection in my foot from an injury, and hurt my back, and still was building at one point. Then got even sicker, and I kind of forgot about those phases of the build, which is all of the film because it's it's taken us a while to build and finish up. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, I think I'm excited to see it and it looks like it from what I've seen, it looks like it's going to be great. Yeah. I hope you'll dig it. And thank you again for supporting it too. Of course. I'm glad you survived. Plus I had to get my hands on one of those, those sweet, sweet stay vocal t-shirts. That's right. Alex actually has a brand new one out. I designed. There's the, another intro for the plug. Nice. Seed the change. It's a new series. Cool. Um, kind of a proactive, cool, graffiti-ish t-shirt with this creature I drew on these reused shirts he's uh, screen printing on. So stayvocal.com for that. Nice. Nice. And I'll link, I'll link to all this stuff in the, in the show notes for the episode. So people awesome. can Thank you. go and check that out. Um, what's, uh, you, you kind of teased uh, a treehouse in Beverly Hills before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe uh, tell, us, tell us about that one. I don't want to talk about this. Well, I will, but I don't want to give too many details. I, this, this is me being disorganized because I do too many things. I missed an email on one of my accounts, which thank God, this woman who was an agent in Los Angeles re-emailed me a month later. And I saw that one. She's like, just checking in. Haven't heard from you. I represent, it's a couple YouTubers that are enormous. One of his, uh, Carter Scherer, if you've ever heard the name in, uh, there's a couple of them. I, I won't get into it too much, but I hadn't heard of them and then asked my son, have you heard of Carter Scherer? I just talked to his people. He's like, yes, I was. He subscribes to him. The guy's got 8 million oh, subscribers. Yeah. Oh, the guy. And, he, and I started watching the videos. I'm like, wow, this guy's kind of a big deal and awesome. Um, and uh, Lizzie Capri, I think is how you pronounce her last name. Anyway, she has a giant channel too. She's pretty, uh, she's a force to be reckoned with. They want a treehouse built. We've been in talks, drawings back and forth. Nice. Photos of what I've done in the backyard. If it's like, 10,000 something square foot mansion in Beverly Hills. Wow. And they want to fly Dustin and myself out possibly to build this. And we've been in talks for a while. At first, I'm like, this is never going to happen. I'm like, oh my God, they're really into this. And I don't even know how they found me. I think it was just through YouTube, but they want one built for their YouTube episodes, which would be kind of, you know, I'll be in this case, they're much younger than me. I'll be the old man that builds the treehouse for them with these <laughs> hip, hip youngsters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it'll be kind of weird to be immersed in that atmosphere should this happen. But all of a sudden, COVID comes along and we've kind of put it, not put it on hold, but I keep pushing it back because I don't want to miss this kind of gig. But at the same time, I'm not ready to travel just yet. Yeah. Given some of the familial circumstances I'm dealing with here. So we'll see what happens. Either way, if that doesn't happen, it's on to the next 42 tree houses elsewhere. <laughs> some, something cool always seems to come along because I just keep doing it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's, it's I'm hopefully. We'll send some treehouse people your way from this podcast. Although yeah. maybe I'll, I should apologize because it sounds like you've got. You've no, got no, it's good, man. It's good. Yeah, yeah, I just you know I only can fit in a couple a year. 
Uh, but like I said, I, I honestly, I'm very easy to work with. In some cases, maybe maybe too easy. How long do they generally take you? I know I'm sure there's a range. It depends where they are. If I have to travel to do them and I have like the ability to work in them, you know, 20 hours a day, we can bang them out a couple of days. It depends on, you know, what my schedule is like. The one I did recently, I told the woman ahead of time, like, listen, this one will be slow. I'm going to hunt and peck. I'll come out for two hours one day, three another day. I said, if you are cool with that from the get-go, I can build you this treehouse if you're not in a rush. And we, I built her something on a constricted, constrained budget that turned out, I feel, unbelievably awesome and already has led to some other word of mouth and people contacting me. I saw the treehouse that you built for so-and-so, you know, what's the story? I want one built. So uh, that's why I'm, I'm starting to think of doing plan sets and almost kits for them because I only can be so many places, that being one place at a time. Yeah, totally. Well, that's, I think the plan sets are a great idea. And, and especially like, you know, you mentioned David and Jeannie Styles in their books, but I, I feel like, you know, any educational materials that, that could be a, you know, something that you could teach just like your methods for, for attaching to the trees. Yeah. I have been working in a treehouse book too, and I actually had a book deal for it, but along comes COVID and the, the publishing house out of New York, a different one I was going with, basically canceled all projects that were in motion because they had to lay off so many people on staff. So it's just, it's not meant yeah. to be yet, yeah. but I'm working on it. And I'm fine with not doing a book at the present moment because it's so, as you know, you've done a couple, it's so much work. It is. It is. It's almost, it's almost not worth it. I will say. Yeah. And it, every, every time I finish one, cause I've released four now, I'm like, I'll never do that again. And then somehow the stupid side of me forgets how much work went into them and all another offer comes along and I'm all eager to do it again. And then yeah. midway through I'm cursing myself again. Yeah. But, but the ultimate product, when you release a book, I mean, it's pretty indescribable when they ship out that first box of them or you see them in stores. So I think I'll keep doing them glutton for punishment kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Well, um, you know, you mentioned COVID and I know that, that you in the past have done quite a few workshops. Um, how have, you know, what are you working on now? How has it changed? I have not been doing workshops. In fact, I've postponed a couple of them and the people who have signed up for them have been cool enough to ride with the postponement. Um, I had one in Joshua Tree supposed to happen in May, got postponed to, it's supposed to be next month, being postponed again and everyone's staying on board, which is kind of surprising and awesome. I thank them for that. Nice. And Tiny House Summer Camp, for the first year ever did not happen this year because I made the decision to not have it thinking it just, it's a hands-on workshop. You know, it wouldn't be the same if everyone's spaced out and not sharing tools and not able to build together. There would have been ways to do it, but I didn't think it'd be safe. So at the cost of me having to refund tons of people money, I decided this is kind of stupid to do. There's other people out there doing workshops. I don't necessarily agree with them. I think it's, too soon and you know there's just too many things that could possibly go wrong to each their own but i just don't feel safe doing them yet especially you know i don't want to bring anything back to my family or some compromised rel you know immunocompromised relatives i have right i've been uh, like i said interested in too many things one of my side jobs is i do a lot of architectural salvage and you know street picking if you want to call it that the unglamorous title you'd be surprised the stuff you'd find in just cruising around once in a while, knowing the trash routes, picking up stuff, cleaning it up, rebuilding it, fixing it, or making it into something else and selling it. It's that, that business has been very, very, very good to me during COVID. 
because a lot of people initially weren't wanting to sh uh, shop at stores. So I could just leave the items out for them, honor system style, and they were paying for them. And I, I've been keeping very busy with that. And Alex Eves, to mention him again from Stay Vocal, him and I have teen, uh, teamed up on a house clean out recently mm -hmm. in Massachusetts, selling and reselling antiques, stuff like that, you know, finding free building materials, making crazy whatever decor. I just made a, a cat bed out of an old drum set and it sold like instantly, like just weird crap like that. I'm having fun with nice. while filming videos of it and selling the stuff. So, yeah. So it's like multi-purpose. Yeah. I, I tell people I'll, I'll stop creating stuff when I die <laughs> and only then. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like the human condition have to keep creating. I guess, I guess both a blessing and a curse. No, I love it, man. It's just too many things in too little time. Time is the enemy. I always say there's so many things I want to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, how much of your like house, your space is devoted to storing like these salvage building materials that you're finding, like windows and lumber and that kind of stuff? You get two different answers if you ask me or my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm not a hoarder, but the way I collect things and which they eventually get used and removed. Yeah. But it's too easy to find good stuff. So depending on what season it is, you know, like I said, the salvage stuff right now, it tends to get a little bit out of hand if things start backing up. The materials I don't store indoors, though. I have a separate, well, a separate art studio because I do a lot of painting, graffiti work that's built off the side of my house now where I store some of it. And outside I have like a shed and a half with a lumber rack and some storage space where I just cram whatever I can in there. And once it starts, you know, piling up, it's time to build something. If there's no client for it, I will just build freeform build something fun and knock on wood every single time I've done that it's found a buyer without having the client first I'll just freeform build some cool shelter you know mobile shack or whatever and they all have sold out of, and then they're made, they're made out of junk like I said too which is kind of crazy yeah a lot of cool like tables and chairs and things that I see come across the Facebook feed yeah it's fun man you know I've been dabbling with more like doing uh I want to get into metalworking more, but doing electrical stuff. I've been you know, rewiring things and building, you know, making lamps out of crazy stuff, steampunkish things. There's always new things to learn, which is why, you know, life is kind of damn exciting, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Any, I know you, you have in the past, you know, done a lot of tiny house tours, like in your travels. I, I'm guessing you haven't toured any lately, but any, any kind of recent favorite tinies that you've either stayed in or maybe you dusted off the the video footage and were like oh yeah that was that was cool the funny thing is my, my you know Stephen harrell from tiny house listings he yeah. always gets in my case i have probably a hundred something videos i filmed that i haven't had time to edit and release because i get busy with other things oh yeah like tiny houses i toured in tasmania when i was out there like amazing stuff i just haven't had time to like load the stuff edit um i did one recently that's the that ladybird tiny house that's down in uh, Texas. It was built by the Small Dwelling Company, mm -hmm. which is Sam and Lindsay Underwood from uh, Weathersford, Texas. I think they're great people, awesome builders. Uh, smalldwelling.com, I think is their site. They built this house that just, I, I feel I'm kind of jaded in the scene these days because I've stayed in so many houses, toured so many of them, but there's so many festivals. But this house literally just, I won't say took my breath away. It was just impressive. And I didn't even know they built it. I saw it. And it's for sale right now, in fact. And we have a video tour on my RelaxJacks.com YouTube channel. And that house impressed the hell out of me. Nice. It's just very well laid out. Beautiful. Pretty luxurious, which is usually not me. 
you know, I'm doing this interview with my hair is not combed. I'm wearing a heavy metal shirt. I'm not even wearing pants. So no, not really. But uh, I usually go for the lo-fi stuff. This one just on the luxury, luxury scale blew my mind. So that has impressed me. Well, nice. Um, and so you've got a tour of that up. I'll, I'll definitely link to it. Yes. Yeah. It's the most recent one on my channel. Cool. Any other, any other sweet projects that you can let us in on? No, I mean, I, once this documentary film is done, I have plans to work on another one loosely that, you know, this, this one took so long. I thought I was going to work on it this year, but based kind of on, I, I grew up with the renegade approach and I still do it of kind of secretly and illegally building shelters in the woods. Don't ask, don't tell, don't ask, don't ask permission. I kind of love the thrill of that kind of stuff. And I always want to do these installations just in the middle of like private public land that, you know, people could stumble upon these funky little architectural creations. I w I'd love to do a series on that, but want to do a documentary on building one in some hidden locale and talking about the challenges involved from assembling it in a way that's portable to, con to erecting the thing without making much noise. And sure, there's going to be people who hear this and think like, well, that's illegal. That's terrible and, and just you know, irresponsible of you. No, it's just awesome. It's you know, just something fun I'd like to do because I would get to be more so of a kid again doing it. And I don't know how the film would, would play out, but I have a couple of key friend builders in mind where it'd just be a cool excuse to go out, build something crazy, camp out, and see if we can get away with building an interesting structure hidden in the woods somewhere. And Maybe somewhere post online would be the GPS, you know, latitude, longitude coordinates of it if people ever wanted to find it. That's cool. And then I get sued when someone falls out of that treehouse. <laughs> you, you have to do it anonymously, I guess. Yeah, but that's a problem. You do a film. It's not, uh, you know, it's, it's not. Or, or we just take the thing down when we're done. I don't know. Yeah. But it just appeals to me a lot because I could wrap in treehouse building, the renegade approach and hiking and canoeing and all that stuff all into one. It's like, how can I? amass all of my interests and hobbies together into one and film that's i was a film major at one point in time that's my other interest so well we'll see well speaking of legality and and bringing it back around to tree houses as a last question and, and you you touched on this a little bit but like what are you what do you find for the permitting process i mean it's like they don't touch the ground so it's kind of it is a gray area but do you, most, most towns usually? don't don't touch it, to be honest. I mean, certainly you can't build a treehouse that someone's going to live in 24-7 or like right. one of the Pete Nelson-sized ones. It's just not going to fly in most jurisdictions. So most of what I'm building is the equivalent of like a fort or an overgrown adult fort that's up in the trees. Um, a lot of them, like you said, don't touch the ground. They're not permanent structures. Uh, there's no real verbiage, you know, on them Yeah, in, in the in town hall i hope it stays like that for a while but yeah i haven't knock on wood i haven't had a problem with a single treehouse i've ever built for anyone in regards to that kind of stuff what are what is the size usually like dimensions that you usually like the best or ballpark yeah it depends on the tr it depends on the trees and the budget you know some of them will have decks included some of them will just be a, a boxy treehouse with a little landing like the one in my front yard's about eight by eight with a front wall that leans outward, almost like the prow in a ship. So when you're in there, it feels like it's maybe 10 feet long instead. Um, you know, generally eight by 10, eight by eight, eight by 10, eight by 12. You start getting much bigger than that and building up like the one in Seattle we did. I think it was maybe 12 feet tall inside because it had a loft in it. It starts to get pretty heavy and imposing. 
And then the base has to be really overbuilt and that takes more time and money. And that was one I criminally undercharged on, but it came out so well that it, it's been like a calling card for me photographically for other gigs. But nice. That's the general size. So I'd say eight by 10. All right. And that's that. That sounds like it's a manageable size, like big enough to be functional, but also not like so yeah. big that it takes forever. You don't want this giant edifice like in a tree on the property line that's, you know, leering over your neighbor's daughter's bedroom window. It's not going to it's not going to bode well. <laughs> no. So you got it. That's another thing. It was citing and, and placing these things. A lot of clients will tell me, here's the tree I wanted it the treehouse built at, and I'll tell them here, this is a bad idea for the following five reasons. And sometimes it's like, you're too close to your neighbors. You're not respecting their space. Right. And they don't a, want, a, a lot of, they don't want a viewing platform above their property right on the exactly, edge. Exactly. Exactly. And you don't want that too. You want your own privacy. So that sighting is really important. There's also like, you know, where prevailing winds come from because tree houses are giant billboards that catch wind in flexible trees. So you have to factor that in, mm. you know, what kind of windows do you want in it for passive solar gain? What kind of trees are you under, you know, in the, in the winter, for instance, when the leaves come down, you get that gain. Is that something you want or don't want, depending on where in the country you are? There's a lot, there's a lot more goes into it than people realize. Yeah. I think, I think you should be charging more. That's, that's my takeaway. No, I, I've had so many people <laughs> when they tell them I charge, it's like, dude, what are you doing? That should at least be double that. It's just tough. There's different leagues of clients where you approach a certain price point, it scares them away immediately, even though you're underselling it. And it's tough. And every once in a while, if I want to keep busy or film something, I'm like, eh, I'll, I'll take a bullet to make. <laughs> and, and I'm like the treehouse I just did for these people. I completely actually I undercharged them and they were so happy with it. They overpaid what the agreement was. But they had three young daughters who were just adorable. And I was building this treehouse for them. I'm like, oh, man, I'm a softie. Like, I know how it is for them to have this cool treehouse. Like, OK, I'll do it. I'm stupid, but I'll do it. All right. Deke Diedrichson, renegade treehouse builder with a heart of gold. Yeah. <laughs> Thank his, you. Mo his motto, I'm, I'm stupid, but I'll do it. <laughs> Hold my beer. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, being a return guest to the podcast. You were, you were episode number two, and this will be... Yeah, I thought I was, I was early on. Yeah, Yeah, this will be somewhere in the one, high 130s or maybe even 140, so... I got to say, man, you've been like hanging with us and pumping out some great stuff. So we appreciate you doing these, too. You've had some really cool guests on. So thank you for having me back, too. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Thank you, Ethan. Thank you so much to Derek Deke Diedrichson for being a guest on the show. You can find the show notes from today's episode, including links to Deke's work and lots of photos of some of my favorite treehouse builds that he's done at thetinyhouse.net slash 141. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 141. And don't forget to head over to thetinyhouse.net slash ask to record a question for me to answer on the show. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash ask, and I'm looking forward to answering your questions. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.